The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Episode 174 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I became an activist for family caregiving after retiring from medical practice. Our topic today is family caregiving for the medically fragile. Medically fragile refers to children and adults who live with complex and usually incurable medical or physical conditions, who live with the effects of serious accidents or abuse or neglect, or who live with lifelong physical or mental disabilities. Medically fragile children and adults live with profound challenges. And to live successfully with these challenges, they need care, care such as help with activities of daily living, treatment, equipment, and sometimes life-sustaining medications. Given the care they need, they can lead meaningful lives. But for families and family caregivers, providing the care is so often a round-the-clock challenge that is exhausting and overwhelming, which is why our topic today, family caregiving for the medically fragile, is so important. To discuss it, our guest is Dave Ashdown. He's been involved with the organization Community Concerns for the Medically Fragile since 1990. The organization, Community Concerns for the Medically Fragile, was established in 1989 and registered as a charity in 1990. It's an organization driven by parents who recognize and recognized that needs of their medically fragile children were unmet by existing services. Its board's members always include parents of medically fragile children because these parents are the true experts in the care of the medically fragile. Dave was the organization's president in the past and also during the construction of Standing Oaks, the home to serve medically fragile individuals that it built in 2004 in conjunction with the Ontario March of Dimes, the Ontario Ministry of Health and the Sarnia Rotary Foundation. Dave served on many of its committees. He's advocated for the needs of the medically fragile in the community by speaking to numerous clubs, organizations and churches. And he and his wife, Laurie, have a son, Nicholas, who is 32 and is living at Standing Oaks. So welcome to the show, Dave. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to, uh, to speak with you. 
Thank you. Now, let's start with the very first question. Please tell us more about your career, about your own experience with family caregiving, and about the things that led to your involvement with community concerns for the medically fragile. Um, I, currently, I am an insurance broker in um, Sarnia, Ontario, and have been for the last uh, 20 years or so. And um, they, um, it's, they have been absolutely fantastic in, in allowing me to um, spend the time that I need to, um, to spend on different committees, and, um, and they, they very much encourage um, community um, involvement. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I got involved with the, uh, the Medically Fragile, um, as you said, back in uh, 1990, um, because of our son, Nicholas. And, um, and we were a group of parents who really came together uh, when and noticing that our, our children's needs were falling through the cracks of, of the system at the time. And, um, and so I, I became involved with it um, as a parent and uh, became uh, more and more involved in the organization as time went by and, and as our son's needs grew and, um, and then uh, the needs of the other individuals as well that we represent. Now, let's um, go to the conditions that uh, are common and that are really the cause of medically fragile. So what are those medical conditions, or at least the most common ones, and at what stages of life um, are the individuals who experience them affected? Dave? Uh, it's, um, they're, they can be affected with it from, um, um, from, from birth, they can be affected from it uh, due to a, a tragic accident, uh, but some of the um, some of the things that the the medically fragile uh, individual has to face is um, is often frequent seizures um, caused by epilepsy um, and uh, a cerebral palsy, um, quadriplegia, paraplegia. Often they are. Administered uh, their feeds uh, via G tube or J tubes. Um, they often require suctioning for their for their lungs uh, because of their bleed, uh, breathing uh, uh, conditions. Um, some are on heart monitors, and um, some uh, have to have trachs, and some have to have um, oxygen. And, Just let me stop you. A quick mm -hmm. clarification: What are trachs? A tracheotomy okay. uh, for 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 breathing, yeah, and so it's a trach for um, for for breathing to help uh, the individual breathe better, and uh, some of the individuals have um, one or two of these things, and many of them um, have um, have all of them, and so it, it really varies from individual to individual. Um, my own son has. Uh, a G tube. He um, suffers from seizures and epilepsy, and has um, quadriplegia brought on by um, brought on by the cerebral palsy at birth, uh, the lack of oxygen at birth, and he also um, uh, 
you know, struggles with uh, his own breathing issues because his lungs are quite malformed. And uh, so he is on different uh, uh, medications to, to help that uh, with um, um, with Pomacort and Ventolin and um, things like that. And plus he is, he is suctioned daily as well. Now, let me go back to the work of Community Concerns for the Medically Fragile, your organization. Dave, please describe the work they do, the work you do, and the kind of services they provide for the medical conditions you've just been talking about and others. We, we provide, uh, we are, uh, for lack of a better word, we are the advocates for these children. And um, we we knew that we wanted our our children to be in a home-like setting rather than an institutional setting because uh, you know when you put your child in an institutional setting um, he has to fit into the needs the schedule and the delivery system of the institution whereas if we can get them into a home setting uh, they. Um, the home works around the individual's needs and schedules, so it's the best way to meet that individual's needs. So the, when you mentioned in the introduction the Ontario March of Dimes, uh, we came together with the Ontario March of Dimes, and they are actually the service providers in the home. And uh, we were the, um, the people that were the driving force, the medically fragile community concerns, with a driving force behind getting the home built in in the Sarnia area, and we uh, helped furnish it. We brought in uh, the the lifts. We um, made sure that the home, every family in uh, every child's room, was decorated by the individual family, so there there was that that um, level of comfort when the child first moves into this home. And we continue to be advocates by placing our brochures in doctors' offices and in hospitals, um, so that uh, we can um, we can reach out to those families that um, are have newly diagnosed medically fragile children. So we're constantly working on that side of things, and we are also reaching out to the community uh, where our home is. Um, students who are uh, personal support workers and the nursing uh, students in uh, and out of Lamping uh, College can actually come into the home and do their co-op work in the home and get a real idea of uh, who the medically fragile uh, individual is in our community. And we fundraise, we do a lot of public um, um, we do a lot of uh, fundraisers and um, public education and bringing the uh, the different um, individuals um, to the forefront so that uh, the the, the uh, community really understands and sees who the, the medically fragile individual is and how great their needs are. So just to comment quickly back to you, it's to say this is very much, isn't it, a community effort that brings a home for individuals, for children who really can't 
be cared for in their own homes. So you've created a home from a home through this community work so that these children can enjoy a life, can have a meaningful life and can be, um, can live with in that sense, their family caregivers. Just in a word, am I right in the way I've summarized that? Absolutely. The community, um, of the Sarnia community here and, and surrounding area have been absolutely uh, behind us and have been very, very supportive in, in helping uh, um, develop this home. Right. Now, this is the point at which we have to pay the rent by taking a short break, so that we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Adderley, and my guest is Dave Ashdown. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. If you're looking for answers and solutions, you don't have to look to expensive treatments, consultations, and methods. All you have to do is listen to your connections. Every week, the Dr. Melanie Show will teach you how to do just that. Dr. Melanie Barton will share her gifts and talents and teach you to do the same. And in doing so, find the solutions to the issues in your life that you truly need. You'll learn about holistic and practical health in six key areas. Discover the Dr. Melanie Show, Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dave Ashdown. Our topic is family caregiving for the medically fragile. Dave, now let's talk about challenges, the challenges created for individuals who are medically fragile, challenges for their families and challenges for others who care for them. So please first, Dave, tell us about the challenges faced by children and adults who are medically fragile. Well, the the challenges um, are, of course, the, the the basic physical needs because um, the individuals often um, cannot do anything for themselves. 
Uh, our son, for an ex- for example, cannot even turn himself at night when he's sleeping. He needs assistance to do that. And he cannot feed himself or do his own hygiene. All of that has to be provided by the caregivers and lifting out of bed and uh, going on to their individual activities. When um, a child, a uh, medically fragile child, is at home, um, the um, basically the parents and the family um, eventually become burnt out, and they simply cannot provide the level of care that a staff can provide that is turning over and refreshing every eight hours, because um, often the need is 24 hours um, a day. And yes, there is uh, in-home help that comes to the the home, and um, initially that's very, very helpful, but as the um, individual grows or as their needs increase, sometimes that in-home help becomes more intrusive than helpful, if you know what I mean. And so the uh, the needs are, are ever-growing. As the individual grows, there is um, more needs because they simply cannot do anything on their own. And that then compounds um, on the, the extended family of the medically fragile child, the, uh, the Christmases that you can't make because you can't travel, the, um, uh, the di- disappointment that family feels when, when they um, don't get to see you as often as they like because you simply can't make that trip with the, the medically fragile child. And then, of course, uh, how the siblings are affected because of the inordinate amount of time that it has to be afforded the medically fragile uh, uh, brother or sister or or whoever that's in the the household. I remember distinctly when um, we were going to take a walk one day with my son, uh, my younger son, and who is not medically fragile, and unfortunately my older son at that point in time just decided that that was the time that he was going to... um, uh, move his bowels, for for lack of a better word, and and my other son just became so disappointed that he couldn't go for this walk and go to the park and throw a ball with his dad, and he, I remember sitting in the um, the room with him, and he just said, "It's not fair," and of course I said, "It isn't. It isn't fair because the the uh, the care and the level of care that the medically fragile." individual requires is often more um, than um, a family can can provide and in time uh, that that level of care that they provide um, decreases because they simply do not have the energy to continue it when it's 24 hours a day. Dave I want to just continue talking about the challenges faced by families and family caregivers in the circumstances you're talking about there obviously comes a point where moving the child um to um your organization um to something like it uh becomes a necessity it becomes unavoidable now, I'd like to just ask you about that moment. I mean, for example, do families, family caregivers, feel any kind of guilt that 
uh, or, or, or feeling any kind, feel any kind of failure when they have to make that decision that they can no longer look after the child at home. And what are the other kinds of challenges of that sort that they face? Dave? Sure. Um, absolutely, there's a sense of guilt um, because you are you are the um, you are the parents, and um, we initially, um, uh, my wife Lori and I, we <clears throat> before the house was built, we tried uh, putting Nicholas into continuing care at the hospital here. And uh, it, it simply did not work out because his needs were greater than the, uh, the schedule that the institution could provide. And so we had to bring him back home, and uh, it was with great difficulty, and had to wait until the, um, uh, the facility at Standing Oaks was, was finished. And um, we, we had the operating funds in town, and we were able to, to move him into a um, temporary facility until that was done. But it, it, it caused great, um, great grief. Um, we, uh, my wife and I actually ended up uh, going and, um, and getting counseling to help us through that because the feelings were just simply bigger than we were because you feel um, uh, like you're, you've, you've given up on your child. Initially, you feel that way. And um, once you see him or her in the home and he begins over time to thrive in that situation, you realize you made the right decision, but it's an agonizing decision. Like who wants to uh, say that they have to give up their child's care to somebody else? It is, it is a very difficult decision to make often a necessary one, but a very difficult one to make. I presume, Dave, that um, the organization um, really gives advice and help to parents in that situation because, Dave, those of you who've been through that know what the, shall I call them, the new parents are also going through. Is that right, that you offer support of that kind in those situations? Yes. I actually, um, <clears throat> excuse me, actually this year I am the chair of the Support and Needs Committee, and that's exactly what we do. We we reach out to uh, these new parents. Um, we have our brochures, as I said earlier, in in doctors' offices at um, at different organizations that provide um, in home care to these individuals, and and we try to reach out, and um, and we do uh, speak to new parents um, because when. Um, when you are a new parent, um, and I distinctly remember driving home from the hospital with our son and, and wondering what were we going to be facing. And it was, um, it was talking and getting together with other parents as we did with this organization that you begin to slowly but surely realize that you are not alone and that there is a support network out there. But we wanted, as a group, to become um, um, a large part of that support network. And so we, um, one of the things that we put together was the Support and Needs Committee so that um, 
young families with uh, young medically fragile individuals could come to us and we could reach out to them and try and be supportive to them. Right. Now, you've mentioned already some of the challenges faced by, you know, hospital, healthcare, and social systems in helping um, the medical, medically fragile children. Um, please tell us more about the challenges of the hospital and healthcare and social systems in helping with f- families and with the children um, with the, who are medically fragile. The... Um the the healthcare system. If you get a um, uh, a doctor who understands um, the situation that the family is facing, that is a huge plus. And um, and I remember talking in a symposium in London, and um, and the, we we were being as parents being asked different questions, and one of the doctors stood up at one point and said. Here are the real experts, meaning the parents, and these are the people that we should be we should be listening to. So yes, we um, the healthcare system, um, the the social systems where you are going and and trying to get um, assistance. It is um, it would be so great if those organizations and systems would say. Come here. How can we help? How can we make this better for you? Um, because uh, rather than the sense that how can we get out of helping you, it should be how can we help you to make it better. Um, I always remember Dr. Uh, Timothy Fruin. Uh, he um, was a pediatrician at uh, Western Ontario Hospital, and he said if we have the moral duty to make these children well enough to go home, then we have, as a society, the moral obligation to make sure the families are not facing this task alone. And I've always remembered that, and I've always, there are organizations out like Community Living that, that help, and March of Dimes that help, but the the need is so overwhelming to the family. Um, they um, I think often they don't even have the um, the strength to fight to get more um, more care, more more respite, more um, more in home care, or whatever uh, that their particular need would be. And it would be great if the system was simply what can we do to help, rather than how can we get out of paying for this or paying for that or paying. It seems to be a negative. Uh, type of uh, situation in a lot of ways. It seems to me that uh, community concerns for the medically fragile, your organization has really stepped in and taken over that role. And I just leave that thought with you because it's time for us to take the break. So we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Dave Ashdown. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We're coming back. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. 
Very rarely does our news media spotlight some of the good things that are happening in our world. For more of these good stories and the people that are creating them, tune in to Bread for the Journey with Mariana Cacciatore. Whether these good acts stem from personal tragedy or just a desire to help out and make this a better world in which to live, you'll find inspiration in every week's program. Connect with those that are doing something great for a change. Listen for Bread for the Journey, Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. On the weekends, you like to relax with your girlfriends, a cup of tea, your favorite magazine, and some stories and fun. So why not check out Sisters Seriously? It's all that and a whole lot more. Host Kelly Chevalier and her guests will bring you stories and tips designed to encourage women everywhere. Find out more about fashion, interior design, beauty, and entertaining. Sure, we make mistakes like everyone else, but the goal is to find out how to overcome and live the fabulous life for free. Sisters Seriously is live every Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dave Ashdown. Our topic is family caregiving for the medically fragile. Dave, now let's talk about the ways in which your organization, Community Concerns for the Medically Fragile, helps with the challenges created for everyone, um, the medically fragile and the people around them. Now, you've already been talking about the challenges, and I want to, you to summarize your main strategies uh, the special ways in which community concerns for the medically fragile helps with those challenges. Dave? Sure. Um, we, um, uh, we built the uh, uh, Standing Oaks, and uh, recently we have um, installed a fully uh, handicap-accessible um, uh, therapeutic playground beside, right outside, beside the... Um, Standing Oaks, and we raised funds for that. We went to the uh, to Trillium Association to get some and to get funds, and we raised funds through various fundraising ap- efforts, such as Celebrities on Canvas. And we raised the funds, and we have opened that facility, that totally therapeutic, uh, cause and effect uh, type of uh, playground too medically fragile in the community. So we've reached out to the different medically fragile classrooms throughout the schools and have said, here's a therapeutic playground that you can, you can come to and um, so that there is some outside activity for the individuals if they, if they do wish to, uh, to come there. And we've also, um, we're in the process, we have an older van, it's a, uh, quite a bit older, it's a 95 um, um, uh, accessible uh, van, and we're in the process of raising new funds to buy, buy a new one. 
but we're reaching out to the community with that as well. Uh, we're saying to um, medically fragile families, if you need a ride to the doctor, we have volunteer drivers. We will take you to the doctor. We will take you to the um, the hospital, um, not an emergency situation where an ambulance would be much better, but if you needed to get there to an appointment. Um, if you simply want to go to the theater to see, um, take the kids to see um, a program or take them to the, the movies, the van is there to reach out and help make things just a little bit better to the individuals in our community. And and we do that and um, we, um, we try um, very hard to to make the the medically fragile community know that you know there is we're we're here to help as we can as best we can um, and and provide uh, sort of that level of um, uh, try to provide a level of spontaneity that these uh, families just never ever get um, coming home from work and dad or mom saying let's go out to uh, a burger let's go out to the movies never happens with these families and if we can provide a, a little bit of of that opportunity for them then then we feel that we're we're doing something among the other things our support needs community reaches out um, if somebody needs to get a nebulizer if somebody needs to uh, um, simply can't afford a respite um, or needs a piece of equipment at home that they simply can't afford, they can come to our group. And um, we, we might not be able to pay for all of it, but we certainly can take a look at it and see what we can do in helping alleviate the, uh, that side of, of things as well. Once again, the word community comes out strongly. Here you are providing a playground, as I understand it, not just for the medically fragile individuals within um, the centre, but also those outside in the community too. So that's community work. Now, I want to just ask you a somewhat different question. It's a tough life, and there's no question about that for everyone concerned. And it would be very easy to become kind of gloomy about the whole situation but the idea that the individuals you're caring for can live a meaningful life then becomes a very important question so how does community concerns for the medical medically fragile use activity centers outdoor activities art and music therapies to enable the individuals you're caring for to lead a live and lead a meaningful life well we we um uh we have we've had um um a pianist come to town and and she heard about our facility and she came over and she did a recital for the kids for the individuals um, I personally go in every Sunday and bring my guitar in and we, we, uh, and sing to them because they absolutely love their music. And it's, it's any music. It can be, uh, uh, you know, ABBA to Frank Zappa. It doesn't really matter. They just love music and they have their individual tastes, of course. 
and um, and we we try to bring um, a sense of 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 involvement in the community. Um, I remember calling up Standing Oaks and asking if I could uh, say hello to my son, and they said, "Well, no, you can't." And I said, "Why?" And well, he's gone out to the mall, and that's <laughs> fantastic. I love that that he's yes. gone out to the mall. And uh, or the movies or or anything like that because um, they love to get out and uh, be part of it. And uh, one of the bowling alleys in town here have special ramps for the bowling balls for for individuals with um, with disabilities. And so we take our uh, might arrange for our kids to go there, or one of them might have a, a birthday party there. And um, so we're always going out and 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 trying to reach uh, out to them, for sure. Right. Dave, when you say they love music, I want to ask you a de- question that goes a little further than that. Is that because it brings them happiness? Absolutely. My son, um, uh, if, if I can tell you a, a little story... Um, my son one one night was in hospital and he was gravely ill and the the doctor told us um you better call your minister you better call your family he's not going to make it through the night which we did and our minister came up and our family came up and um and my wife and younger son uh she took him home and i said that i would stay with nicholas and the I just was sitting there with him holding his hand, and the nurse came over and said, "Talk to him. You know he can hear you." And uh, and I I began to sing um, Leonard Cohen songs to him because he loves Leonard Cohen. And I finished singing a song called "Bird on a Wire," and he squeezed my hand, and he was on life support when he did this. He was fully intubated and everything. And so I sang another Leonard Cohen song, and he squeezed my hand again. And I did this, uh, I don't know, probably till 5.30 in the morning. And um, and every song, he squeezed my hand uh, at one point. Now, I'm, I'm not sure if he was saying, you know, yes, Dad, sing me another one, or would you please stop, Dad? <laughs> I don't want you to sing anymore. But I didn't really care because there was this connection with the music that was happening. And, and the smiles to this day, when I go in to see him and I play a Leonard Cohen a song on the guitar, he just smiles ear to ear. And it brings him this, I do believe it brings him this, this inner... Um, this inner peace, because I, I always believe that music is a, a conduit to the soul. Wonderful. David, let's talk about a conduit of funds. Um, just very quickly, please tell us about the challenges the organization has and faces in generating funding to provide the services you're talking about. And, and just mention the ways in which you raise funds. Sure. Um, we've had a number of different fundraising um, activities uh, during the years. Um, we've had uh, bullathons. We've had fashion shows. We've had golf tournaments, and um, 
we um, have one that we continue every year, which is called Little Angel Day. And um, we um, have a, um, we sell out in front of grocery stores and beer stores and Canadian Tires and Walmarts or wherever, um, angel pins or angel key tags or something like that as a public awareness campaign. And we've done that for many years. Um, and the one that has that we're doing right now that has afforded us the um, uh, the best fundraising that we have done is called Celebrities on Canvas. And we have gone out and we have um, um, approached different celebrities across Canada who have uh, very kindly donated um, um, their artwork to us. Um, absolutely free of charge. Here's... Um, Here's one. Uh, I spoke about Leonard Cohen. He has donated the last four years in a row one of his um, one of his pieces of art each year. And uh, their different individuals have donated something. They might not feel artistic, but they they donate um, a signed copy of one of their books, or um, um, like Lynn Johnson, who is the cartoonist for Better or Worse. She's donated one of her original panels and and it's it always amazes me that the community branches out beyond just Sarnia and here's this community of people who don't have to donate yet do um, for the betterment of the um, the medically fragile who are probably some of the most vulnerable people in our society Dave, unfortunately, I have to stop you there because okay. of the break. But okay. that's a very powerful point to add, or add end this particular segment on. That is, people who don't have to donate, donate because of what you do. That's a wonderful thing. So let's talk, take our short break. This is Dr. Gordon Natalie, and my guest is Dave Ashdown. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Pearl River. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are you a single parent trying to create the balance between home life and work life? You may be running a successful business, but how are your relationships with your family and children? If you're one of the thousands of people trying to juggle it all, Tune in to Straight Up with Chris, real talk on business and parenthood, hosted by Chris FSU. Chris is the portrait of the success story. Coming to the U.S. with no language skills, founding and growing several businesses while raising his daughter from age 7 to adulthood as a single dad. Listen every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg 
at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. Dave Ashdown. Our topic is family caregiving for the medically fragile. Dave, and I would like I now would like to talk to you about what more needs to be done to help individuals who are medically fragile and their families and their family caregivers. So, straight question to you. What more would you like to do and to see done to help individuals who, who are medically fragile? Um, I would like uh, in an ideal world, I would like to see where um, the, these families are often um, um, often at the breaking point, and um, and I would um, I would love to see where um, they could simply um, simply say I need help, and then the organizations, and not just ours, the different caregiving organizations would come and say yes how can we help how can we make things better for you how can we we um, help to try and take some of this stress um, um, out of your your daily lives I, it would be great to be able to see that happen and I suppose you know that's part of what we're trying to do we're trying to reach out to the individual families um, the uh, we would love to see more homes like Standing Oaks built um, because the need is 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 always there with the advances in medicine and the technological developments of medicine. There are more medically fragile children and individuals who might have become medically fragile because of uh, a tragic accident who are coming into our society who need that constant care and and reaching out to them so that they uh, they know that they are not alone when they're when they're facing this I, that's what I would love to see happen Dave just to build on that um, just emphasizing now the way in which you would like to help and the way in which you would like to see more help offered to families and family caregivers um, is what you were just talking about for families respite? That is, is it a service whereby um, they are given some relief from their responsibilities, a feeling that um, they can take a rest if they need to? Is that one of the things you were you were talking about, alluding to? Yes, um, like Standing Oaks has um, uh, it has uh, uh, six bedrooms. And one bedroom is specifically for respite. So a family can say, I just need um, a weekend off or we're, we've got to get away for a week to recharge our batteries. And uh, so they can book that time in the uh, in uh, Standing Oaks. But the need is so great and there's so many respite rooms that are needed throughout the community. Um, it would uh, it would be great to see more of those, um, and that's what I was sort of alluding to the the building of of other facilities. It would be great to see more of that type of uh, facility coming about, so there are more families who are not ready to 
place their their child uh, long term in a facility could could find that respite that that would allow them to recharge the batteries. And as far as still with the question of help for families and family caregivers, you've actually mentioned this before, but I'd like to ask you again about it. What about the value, as you see it, of family caregivers looking after the medically fragile family members, getting together and talking among themselves and sharing their experiences? Is that important? Yes, and and we have actually... um, um, we have uh, uh, have actually done that, uh, and it's happened in school gymnasiums. It's happened at um, uh, uh, Rotary Children's Place, which is now called Pathways here in town. And it's happened through uh, community living, uh, where where individuals come together and uh, and they 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 talk about how can we better their service with the parents being there. And uh, yes, that would be very helpful having that type of um, interaction going on uh, from the service providers right down to the individuals who need that care. Another another question comes from things that I've heard on this show, and that is uh, family caregivers need to feel they're not alone. And you've already um, mentioned that and emphasized the value of that. But they also say, I am... Um, I, the family caregiver, would like to receive information in such a way that I can understand it, I can trust it, and I find it useful. Is that something also that you think would be more helpful to families, or do you think they have enough information services already? No, I think that would be very helpful, uh, because um, as young parents or in people who are dealing with medically fragile individuals at home, um, they um, they are trying to just survive each and every day, and uh, and being able to get information that is um, easy for them to read and uh, easy for them to understand, and gives them a sense that. Here's something I don't have to fight for. Here's something I can call and get help. Um, understanding more of where I can go to get those services that I need. That would be um, extremely important. Okay. Now, the very final question to you is, please give us the message you have for family caregivers, caring for family members who are medically fragile. Dave, what's your message? Uh, I guess my message is that um, you, you um, you're not alone. There are are m- many families out there who are, are doing the same thing and surviving. And uh, in the midst of it all, it's I think it's important to um, uh, it's important to hang on to your faith. It's important to hang on to your sense of humor if you can see that. And it's important to. Um, bring your friends and family close to you uh, because they are your support network. And um, with that support network and reaching out to different uh, organizations, um, there is that uh, that sense of hopelessness can be alleviated, I do believe, with the, uh, the right people involved and the right uh, organizations providing uh, the care that you need. 
Now, I'm going to finish off because, unfortunately, we are coming, we have come to the end of this uh, very important episode by saying your organization, what you do, um, and the kind of services that you provide for the medically fragile and for their family caregivers is part of that, um, if you like, offering to family caregivers that says you're not alone. There are people who understand what your needs are, what you're going through. We're here to help. And it's, there is happiness. There is satisfaction. And we're here to help. So all I can say to you, Dave, uh, is please, on behalf of everyone, the community that you're working with, please keep up the good work because it's absolutely vital. And uh, what I've heard from you is moving. It's a story of triumph. It's a story of success. And it's a story of community. And it's wonderful. Now, I want to say thank you to our listeners. And we'd welcome your comments on this episode. And from our listeners, I'd like to hear from you about ideas for topics or, or if you're interested in being a guest on the show. And in our next episode, we'll talk about empowered family caregivers working with family physicians. So please join us. Same time, same spot on the Internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being around. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 